There was a time in the early days of Marvel Studios' burgeoning cinematic universe that the idea of having multiple superheroes sharing the screen together as a team seemed like the riskiest filmmaking venture ever. After 2012's Avengers release to massive success, people then pointed to 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy with its out-there spacefaring concepts as too risky an idea for Marvel. And we all know how that turned out. Now, in 2021, we have what may actually have been Marvel's riskiest movie to date. With some very divisive opinions being thrown around, let's discuss Marvel's studio's big god-tier swing with Eternals. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then... Life was born into the universe, and from that life came many things. Fire, inventions like air conditioning and uh, refrigerators and other things that cool things. And then two guys decided to make a podcast where they could talk about movies they like, and they called it Scriptor Screen. That's... Way to, way to go, Zach. Welcome <laughs> back, one and all, to Scripture Screen for another wonderful edition. I am one of your hosts, Chris Kitchen, alongside my co-host, Zach Strachman. Zach, how are you doing this evening, this, oh, this I'm, day? I'm good. I'm, 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 you know, I'm chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool. Ah, are you a b-ball fan? I, 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 I like the Miami Heat. Oh, there you go. Uh, we're a little biased, though. Did you see the new jersey that came out? It looks awesome. It's got like all like the little. It's got pieces from every one of their. Oh yeah, like, the logo one that styles. makes it makes them look like they're all wearing a um, a ransom note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna choke on my water. Oh my god! <laughs> I love the jersey so much. I, nah, I saw it the other cool. day at the store, and I'm like, oh man, I should probably get that. Um, you know, um, but I'm biased. Also, I live down here. Um, but anyways, welcome back to all you lovely listeners. Make sure to go to Scripture Screen social media pages at Scripture Screen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and on our website, www.scripturescreen.com or anchor.fm forward slash script or screen. There you can find all of our past episodes and all of our future ones as well. Be sure to leave a comment. Be sure to share us with your friends and let us know what you want to hear next. Zach. Chris, uh, we've we've taken some time away, and we've watched a couple of movies. We have we we, I, I, we saw some movies, and and some of them we're we're gonna talk about in this episode and others. Um, some we won't talk about because they're either not worth talking about or uh, we just don't want to. But uh, <laughs> what, what, but, what have you been watching lately, my friend? Uh, so, um, well. I I have been rewatching things and watching older shows that I ha- I'm now catching up to. You know nice. your uh, Successions, your Sopranos, your uh, uh, you know just the usual stuff. I've been reading a lot. I've been catching up. I have a bad habit of I buy books and I start reading books and then I stop reading books and then I buy more books so my stack of books gets higher so I said you know what I got to I got to actually make progress on reading these things let me ask you something are you the kind of person that if you put a book down and let's say you're a quarter of the way through 
mm-hmm. and you don't read it for a while and you come back to it, do you have to start it over from the beginning again or you can remember oh, no. everything that happened? No, no, maybe not everything, but it's usually once I start reading, it all, it, it all comes back to me. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Sometimes I find that like I have a hard time remembering certain things that I read. I remember I don't read a lot of books, as I said in previous episodes. Um, but when I do, the last book I read, would, in fact, was last year. I'm not a very well-read man. That's okay. Um, and I feel like I had to reread every time I jumped back into it after I stopped. I had to reread maybe from like a quarter end of like the last chapter I just read to start the new one again, just to refresh what I had just finished. Um, but it was a uh, it was very interesting stuff. Uh, anyways, I myself I kind of am in, am in the same boat as you, where I finished my rewatch of Sopranos. My rewatch, I should say, my initial watch of Sopranos. Uh, but I had started the show several times in the last couple years, but I never got fully committed. Something always took me away. And then this was my first like full watch through. I, I did it in preparation before um, the Many Saints of Newark came out. Oh yeah. Uh, finished it. Watched Many Saints of Newark. Uh, more recently, back on Succession season three, baby. That the show is. I just watched the last episode yesterday, uh, a day after its release. Pretty good stuff, dude. Um, and then, you know, just came back from the theater after we saw Dune, also got to see French Dispatch. We saw Eternals. There's a bunch of good stuff coming out right now, guys. Oh, the Eternals. Are, we should, uh, incredible. Eternals. That sounds good. We should, uh, we should do an episode about that. <laughs> Here we are on our Eternals episode. Well, Zach, there's like a bunch of Disney stuff, uh, or, or Marvel, Marvel news that came out recently. Marvel, with the Disney yeah. Plus Day. Marvel did their uh, every so often uh, hemorrhage of titles. Oh, God. Too where many. Just like, where you just, you know, you open up the social media feed and it's just suddenly you're like, oh my God, like I have like f- seven new titles I need to know going I'm, forward. I, I have them all right in front of my face right now on Marvel's website. It's uh, X-Men it 97, Echo, Spider-Man Freshman Year. Um, I think those three, I don't know about Echo, but at least X-Men and Spider-Man, those are both animated series. One, the, a continuation of the That's 90s. so exciting. Yeah. Uh, I'm, they got a lot of the voice actors back. That's going to be pretty cool. And uh, hey, Spider-Man freshman year, get to watch uh, Uncle Ben die all over again. I don't know if, I'm, if I want that. Um, <laughs> moving on, we have Agatha, House of Harkness. That's one of the ones I'm a little I'm a little salty on. I'm not salty. I liked I liked Agatha Harkness in WandaVision, go check out our WandaVision episode uh, where we discuss that. But um, I definitely, I was like, does she need her own show? What, well, I I guess I, I trust in Feige, so. I guess. We have Marvel Zombies, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, which I am mm. cautiously optimistic about. We got that little that little snippet, the little teaser. It's, it's just, you know, I... You know, the thing is with the little voice that uh, that uh, Oscar Isaac gave us for one of the uh, one of the characters he's playing, right? Because Mark Spector is not just Mark Spector. Well, he's he's got this whole psychology about him, right? Right. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm I don't know, cautiously optimistic, but you know, I'm very excited. One of my favorite superheroes is Moon Knight. Um, we have What If season two. You know, I still haven't finished season one. <laughs> it's okay. It's uh, you know, it's not. It's not. Not going anywhere them. yet. Yeah. Um, I am Groot. We have Ironheart, which I am actually pretty excited about. This and then Secret cool. Invasion. And I wonder if Ben Mendelsohn will make a return. I bet he uh, will. In that 
in that face mask that he wore that like covered his mouth and made <laughs> him talk weird. Yeah, probably. But um, but on top of that, uh, we are mere God. I think minutes away from uh the second trailer of Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, no Way Him. No, no Way Him. <laughs> no We're Way from Home. Central Pennsylvania now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Spider Man No Way Home second trailer is about to drop. Everyone on the internet is is anxiously waiting it because we might get a Toby and an Andrew and a and a Charlie Cox. And we we might get a uh, all these other characters that I see in the fan like, tease trailers. Like an, like trailers. An Alfred Molina <laughs> and a and a William Defoe. I, ju- I just love Jamie it Fox. because of the last post that came out with Goblin in it. Now and everybody's Shrek. editing all these other like characters and stuff, and it's just so funny. Yeah, I the saw one with Sonic. Making up. I saw Sonic. one with Goku. <laughs> who's the Who's the name of the uh, George Lopez's character in um, Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Because we saw him. <laughs> yeah, he's like the giant that was TV hilarious. Man. Yeah, but that is not the Marvel property we are talking about today. Did you know, Chris? That MCU has made a lot of outstanding, just just classic, critically acclaimed films. They have this amazing track record. But did you know that they this year, 2021, they made the worst superhero movie ever made, if you believe the internet? <laughs> Say it ain't so. You know it's funny. Worse than it ain't, it Thor: ain't The so. Dark World. It ain't so. <laughs> oh, this that's funny. Um, I don't understand why people I hated do. this so much. I know, I know I'm, exactly why people hated it. Uh, and it turns out it's because people well, are I, stupid. A, I should say this. You know, if, if I'm just gonna look at Rotten Tomatoes, audiences liked it. But critics yes. did not. Well, and 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 I think we'll we'll dig into the big the the big we'll call it the great schism of of the Eternals uh, consensus. You know, I think I think this movie has a lot it does right. I think I mean we're we're gonna dig into it. Uh, we're gonna give our non spoilery ideas, and then we'll we'll dig we'll jump into spoiler territory and but you know i think this movie does a lot right i think it does something's wrong i think it's not a perfect movie but i don't think it's anywhere near the 47 percent uh uh tomato rating tomato score it's got what 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 did i say i would give it i thought i would have if i were to get if if i were going to give this movie like a solid review i would give it like six or six and a half seven out of ten you know and I, i would even i would say just a seven honestly like I don't see. I don't think it's that terrible. No, absolutely not. Um, so here, first, um, here's what we're gonna do. Here's here's the the name of the game. Let's okay. let's give them a synopsis. Let's talk about the cast and crew, and then we'll do like I said, some non spoileries, some spoileries, and we'll and then we'll wrap it up. Well, Zach, that sounds like a plan, uh, and I just want to go ahead and bring us this synopsis brought to you by wikipedia.org please donate to the wikipedia foundation uh, like they tell you to do every time you click on the page now i guess they are losing money and we well, need to support a, them it's a free we, service we need to keep their so. longevity going oh, it's because they don't do ads so it's just like all it is if i had a billion dollars i'd give at least at least 10 million to wikipedia for their longevity i would well, that's that's nice 
Okay, so in the film The Eternals, an immortal alien race emerged from hiding after thousands of years to protect Earth from their ancient counterparts, the Deviants. That is it. Yay. No, I mean, that's a. Uh, it's definitely at least going into it what, what you should. That, yeah, that's good for people who, if they haven't seen it, that's what they know. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about some of the people. So this movie, this little film, is directed by one recent Academy Award winner for Best Director, Chloe Zhao. Didn't Chloe Zhao win, like, three Academy Awards that night? Yes, she won for Best Editing. She won for... Um, I know she won oh. Best Director. Oh, she won she won two two Oscars. Okay, yes, yeah. one was for uh, one was for Best Picture. Oh, and then no, and oh, then she the was other... nominated for editing. Okay, okay, she was, and then so because she also served as a producer, and she won for Achievement in Director, right, which right. makes her the first Asian woman nominated and winning for and uh, directing. The first uh, Asian uh, woman to uh, direct a Marvel. Uh, MCU movie. That is also true. So, so close achievements this year. Trailblazer, uh, fantastic filmmaker, and she seems just like an all-around cool person. Um, I, I'll tell you, my introduction to her film work was in Nomadland uh, earlier this year when we did our, when we talked about our Oscar stuff. I said earlier this year, was it last year? No, it was this year that the awards were. Um, but Nomadland, an incredibly powerful film. I feel like yes. It's, uh, I heard somebody tell me that they they felt their the biggest criticism that they had was that it romanticized this idea of like not homelessness but like um, living on the road. Living on the road. I'm like, I don't think. I mean, and that's just my point of view. Like, I don't think it does that at all. I feel like the message is is very clear about how this is not a very romantic. This is just more of a very intimate look at somebody's life and how they're affected by, uh, I don't know, yeah, globalization I mean, I think, and all these things. I don't know if it romanticizes it, but it at least presents it in a non, you know, a non-biased, like, this is what some people do. Anyway, we're not talking yeah. about Nomadland. You want to hear our opinions on Nomadland? Go check out our Oscar nominees. All, of... all this to say that she's a very talented filmmaker and storyteller. She knows what she's doing. Um, So a screenplay written by Chloe Zhao, Patrick Burley, and Ryan and Kaz Furpo, who uh, both kind of, they they penned the story that became the the screenplay. Um, Nice. Based on The Eternals by Jack Kirby. So, you know, for for the uninitiated, Jack Kirby, famous comic book uh, creator, worked with uh, Stan Lee on basically all the famous heroes. And then he moved over to DC, was working on the New Gods uh, before the New Gods got canceled. And then Jack Kirby went back to Marvel and took all of his ideas that he was working on with New Gods and he made Eternals. Um, And that's why there is a lot of crossover uh, between the Eternals and the New Gods in terms of themes and types of characters and stuff like that. And we were actually set to get a New Gods movie uh, directed by... um, uh, who's gonna direct it? Schmoey um, Schmau. No, no, it was uh, actually a very good <laughs> filmmaker, if I remember. I won't oh, be okay. able to rest until I, until I. Know. It's okay, because while you not rest, I can kind of explain that this is actually my first um, knowing about the Eternals before this Ava, uh, announcement. Ava du- I, Ava DuVernay. Um, oh, and wow, yeah. I didn't know that. 
and she was set up. And then um, because uh, Zack Snyder is a talentless hack and he ruined a film series uh, by making bad films, uh, fight me, I don't care who you are, uh, her movie got canceled. Dude, that's insane. Yep. Uh, just goes to show you that you sometimes you are such a bad filmmaker that you actually hurt other people. Anyway, she directed Selma. Selma was also good. Exactly. Anyway, you were saying your experience with the Eternals. Um, I wasn't familiar with the, these characters, uh, as I said in past episodes. Uh, we kind of went past my, all my knowledge about you know the current roster. Um, Endgame was kind of it, and everything they introduced was like. All that stuff, for the most part, I kind of knew existed in the Marvel Universe. Uh, the Eternals, out of left field for me, right? Um, <laughs> I had no, no idea who they were going in, um, and now I do. But I mm-hmm. only based off in the films and no other relationships. Um, however, uh, that's I find that this is their kind of answer to, I don't know, maybe a misstep that they took with an earlier set of characters they they produced um content oh you're talking about the uh the the immortals the oh the immortals the inhumans i don't know what this excuse me i'm gonna ask (laughs) um Uh, yeah the inhumans i feel like this seems like at at least uh, at at you know face value seems very similar to the kind of dynamic that well i hate there i hate i hate to to be the one to say this but uh the the Inhumans is actually more could be more related to, uh, you know, a similar idea to the X Men, and the specific reason they were pushed is because uh, Marvel uh, had a lot of higher ups who uh, didn't. It was it was basically a giant uh, uh, fu to the uh, X Men creators because they didn't want they didn't have the film rights. And oh wow! It, yeah, it turns out. Marvel had a lot of shitty people, um, like uh, Ike Perlmutter and a, a few other people up at the top that really hampered their creative decisions and that were finally kind of getting out from under. And that's why we're getting finally getting stuff like, you know, black and other, uh, you know, colored uh, people of color heroes and, and women roles, things that the reason they didn't exist is because there were people making decisions at a higher level. Um uh, that didn't want those things or didn't think they'd be successful. So uh, this movie probably would not exist uh, uh, if those people were still in charge. That's super interesting. Because uh, um, this movie's also very a very inclusive, uh, progressive movie. It is, isn't it? And I don't think it distracts from any of the major points in the film. In fact, I think it actually enhances a lot of them uh, in yeah. terms of like non-spoilery things. I just feel like a lot of the character relationships, uh, a lot of the character identities, um, mm-hmm. and just everybody's um, kind of experiences and, and, you know, over all themes going going forward, um, they were very well organized, very well yeah. placed. I, yeah. It didn't feel forced. I know there's a lot of people that, that give a lot of criticism to, like, Infinity War and Endgame for, like, specifically in the fight scenes where, oh... The, they forced uh, to have like oh she's got help like like the, fi- the like the battle scenes where it's just like all the, the female characters go in there and you know like there's a lot of crims that face this but uh, that face those mo- uh, 
um, moments in those films. But any moment in this film that I see people with criticism, I can't, I can't honestly say that like I agree with your with your thoughts. I I, I find that like these two um, placements rather of of like inclusion or just like in the way that they're written into the story. Uh, this one, at least in Eternals, seems w- a lot more natural than than in oh, past sure. attempts. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. Now, I would say the only reason of the scenes like she's got help and stuff feel quote unquote unnatural is because we have been trained to believe that the natural state of it is uh, with all men. But that's but even that's, then, if if I look at something like like. Uh, Expendables, right? That movie, like that, they those aren't any better. You know, they are well, also. Just I don't as think. I don't think. I, I don't think anyone's going to Expendables for for you know progressive cinema. Anyway, uh, the cinematography for this film is done by Ben Davis, and hey, Ben Davis, good job. This uh, movie looks freaking great. I have a problem with Ben Davis. I'll get into that later. Uh oh. Uh, so. Edited by Craig Wood and Dylan uh, Tickner. Music by uh, wonderful virtuoso and cool name haver Ramin Jawadi. Hey. We'll, we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, budget of about $200 million And what is the box office? Uh, current box office total of $282.4 million. That's what we call... Ooh. Perhaps just broke even with marketing, yeah. unfortunately. Well, marketing is usually double whatever, you know, just as much of what... Uh, usually you bu- you double budget to account for marketing. Oh, God. So, whatever. Um, I think Marvel is is big enough that they can eat, uh, you know, eat a, a modest success. Not everything has to be a billion-dollar movie. Um, but let's talk about the Eternals themselves. Uh, we've got Gemma Chan as Cersei, Richard Matten, uh, you know, Rob Stark himself as Icarus, Salma Hayek as Ajax, not Ajax, different movie, different character, <laughs> uh, Kamel Nanjiani as Kingo, Leah McHugh as Sprite, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, Lauren Ridloff as Makari, Barry Keoghan as Druig, Don Lee as Gilgamesh, Angelina Jolie as Thena, Kit Harrington, Mr. Jon Snow as Dane Whitman, Bill Skarsgård as Crow the Deviant, David Kay as Arsham the Judge, and Harish Patel as Karun. The hero of the movie himself, Karun. Dude, what a surprise role and character. Just like, and I don't know if, if he's a very popular actor in general. At least I don't. I mean, in, in my. I've, I've seen him and stuff before. I can't say that I have, but honestly, he was such a delight in this film. Yes. We'll talk about him more and when we get into our spoilers. But let's start off with our non spoiler, just our, our hot take, our. our get, Chris, give me your. Your 30-second rundown, what did you think of Eternals? Um, I thought it was incredibly well shot. Mm -hmm. I thought all the performances were spot-on and awesome and genuine and and really great. The things that I feel like lacked um, 
kind of a bit on the production side a little bit, which is weird mm-hmm. for a Marvel film. And then additionally, um, I feel like there were probably parts of the story that dipped in terms of certain antagonists that might have been better, I don't know, juggled otherwise. But okay. all all aside, I really, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was it was a nice... I, nice. It was like a good like Marvel film. Um, I will say at some point I I had some predictions during my watch and they came true. And I was I I was able to predict a movie in a way, but I don't think it was incredibly obvious. I just felt like you know well, for the first time in a while that I thought, oh wow, this is like it's some, cool that I did that. Sometimes predicting things a lot. I think in in today's culture, um, a lot of times people say, well, it was predictable, so it was bad. But predictability doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means that you've laid the groundwork that people can can kind of like, they they recognize what you're going for and they're able to put it together, which means you did the work right. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, predictability is cool. Um, I, I did want to say, because this isn't much of a spoiler, but uh, so I watched it in IMAX or LIMAX, as we discussed in the okay. episode. And I noticed something that was incredibly glaring that maybe only myself would even notice. Um, but the film was not all shot in IMAX. And it was super obvious anytime they would cut between an IMAX shot and not, just because it's like these big, incredible full screen shots would then change to like the regular film's <laughs> aspect ratio. And it would be so jarring, and I'd be like, it's like every other scene. And I, and I thought to myself, this is kind of insane. And also, like, man, the first time I was ever put out of a movie was due to an, edit, an editing choice rather than, like, oh, an actor was there. Oh, something, you know, anything else. Like, and, and I wasn't. I liked, It was just so annoying for me to watch that. And like I said, if I'm just being overly critical about this one thing, uh, you know, that's fine, and I'll accept well, that. But I mean, at the no, same it's... time, it was just really weird. For um, I, I've never felt that way in any other uh, film, but like I've noticed it, but this one, I just felt like it was too noticeable. I don't know. What, uh, did, did you notice that? Did you, did so you watch there, it in IMAX? I, 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 so I did not see it in IMAX. I, okay. uh, what, what I saw it in is a, I guess, similar to IMAX. Um, like Dolby or like is one of those ex, other things. Uh, Cinemark XD. Oh which is, yeah. We're familiar is, with XD. It's, it's a big loud screen. <laughs> Right. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I noticed anything, but you know, I think some, some shots definitely stood out, uh, more there. I don't think I ever saw any point where I was like, Hmm, that looks a little off. Um, there were a couple creative choices that, that I think I took issue with, but you know, when I went into this film, it definitely went in with a lot of background noise of of everyone saying you know kind of dumping on this film and saying oh it's 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 terrible marvel's finally put out their their first you know uh terrible movie and and this is the worst thing to come out since blah 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 and i sat down and i i tried to watch it and i tried to keep in mind i'm a very i i i'm i can be biased cuz i do like marvel more than say dc to to mm-hmm. name a a direct competitor. Um, you know, I, I like Marvel movies more than DC movies. I like their heroes more than DC heroes. But I, I like to think I'm a very fair-minded person where I go, if I at least can acknowledge that this movie isn't good, 
I won't be up on my high horse of like, well, I'm a Marvel hero and or I'm a, I'm a Marvel fan and I I'm not going to I, I I'm not going to acknowledge the faults because I'm just a, a loyal fan, you know. No, if it's bad, I'm gonna say it's bad. It wasn't bad. It was it was enjoyable, and I think it had a lot of good stuff. It it wasn't perfect. We'll talk about the things that didn't work. Zach, do you feel like it didn't work because of executive meddling? No, our, our sworn enemy. Maybe maybe Does this, f- is this film deserving of the Zhao cut? No, no, no I don't. Should I don't we not think rally so. against it? Here's the thing. I think. Probably behind yeah, it. Excuse me. I think. Uh, I think it was good. I maybe there was some executive meddling here and there, but if anything, this movie seems like all it was not meddled with that much. Um, but I think when I when I think of the stuff that people complained about, it's it's weird because they're like, oh, there's too much action, or there's not enough action. Or there's too much dialogue, or there's not enough dialogue, or oh, too much is there not enough. <laughs> well, it's just you, you get things from all these different people, and you and it's you know things that no one would complain about with any other hero movie, right? Um, people things that people have celebrated in other superhero movies, uh, praised in others, and then this movie is also applauded for things that are criticized for in other movies. Uh, so it's a, it's a mixed bag, but overall, kind of like you said, a seven, seven out of 10 seems about right. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoilers. So I don't know. Do we just want to, do we just want to throw caution to the wind? I do want to, before we, we transition, I do want to, you know, just make an admission of guilt. I Uh committed a cinema sin. Um, Oh, I hate cinema sins. I know. So here's my ding right here. I use the bathroom during the film in the middle of the freaking movie i had too much water to drink beforehand and i went during a part where i felt like it was probably important and i feel ashamed because i haven't done that in years and it's not the first time i did it either uh because literally two days after when i went and saw french dispatch same thing happened then it i felt terrible i felt like uh the enemy of cinema that day both those days <laughs> and i just i want to ask for everybody's forgiveness please um, it is. It was not right of me to do so. So, let us get into a non-spoilery review right here. If you haven't no, watched the movie, no, we which, did. We just did non-spoilery. We're oh, I mean, excuse spoiler. me. I'm sorry. Let us get into spoilers, and then and then we'll go back to non-spoiler. But then we're going to go back into spoiler once again. So wow. we're going to go back and forth, kind of like a, a tenant situation going. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one Zach. of us is only going to be talking spoilers. One of us is going to be talking non-spoilers, <laughs> and um, so I want to start this off by saying, um, I don't know who. So here's here's my hot take, my spicy, my spicy boy. Is what you didn't like about the movie? No, um, oh. but but it's something that I think maybe could have mitigated. A lot of the complaining. Um, so in this day and age, in this year of 2021 and the year preceding, um, we have these things on a platform called Disney Plus called Marvel, like a Marvel shows, a WandaVision, a Loki, a, mm-hmm. a, a Hawkeye in a in a, like a week. Um, could this have been better received? If it was like say a six to seven part mini series, 
six to seven episodes. episodes yes. Yeah. Oh, just hit my pop phone. Like, like, just take the take the the two hour forty five minute. Maybe maybe bring it to three hours and just cut it into like even like not even six or seven. Maybe like five episodes. Just a a. Things you, you give can digest. every character their time to shine and just further develop yes. each one. Yes, I... because I think this episode when I was watching it, I'm like, it's very episodic. It's character goes here, does this, they meet a new character, they recruit them. Characters then go here, meet a new guy, they recruit them. Characters go here, meet a guy, recruit them. And they move on. And it's it's very much like we're going here, and then we're going here, and then we're going here. And along the way, we just we add a new person. We get their whole shtick, and then we move on. And then it all coalesces at the end. So I wonder if this wouldn't have been the best ever Disney Plus series instead of just a decent Marvel movie. So I feel like I don't know if I necessarily have a thought on that. I don't necessarily think I wanted a series out of these characters or if, let's say I wanted to get to know them that well. Only, And that's only because I don't have any familiarity with them. So I don't necessarily I don't care about them that much that I need to get to know them. But like and what happened is that watching the film, I think I then started to care just enough. Still, I would still pick guardians over them any day you know any of them just mm-hmm. and i'm hoping that maybe another film or uh, other uh franchises will further develop them because i think that they said that there might not be a second eternals but the Eternals would be split into other parts of the mcu that certainly seems to be where the ending and the and the post the mid-credit scene was going Exactly. But my thoughts are perhaps this is the where Eternals falls victim of executive meddling, because as I mentioned earlier, that maybe this was a way for them to also correct mistakes from Inhumans, right? These, uh, these, I, uh, I, I feel like, I mean, you, you did mention that, you know, the, the troubled production of that show was kind of still like an FU to... To Fox at the time, right? Or, or X Men. Well, just just more to the X Men writers um, than anything else. Like the 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 people who are creating the X Men comics at the time, because because okay. like at the time, even the X Men like comics got like put on hold mm. in, in favor of of pushing forward the Inhumans. Like uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel is an Inhuman. Really? Yes. She was, I wonder if they're going to tie that into the gained her show. power through um, Terran Gas, I believe it's called. This is interesting. I did not know this. But, see, I don't see this so much as them... Because the Inhumans are never weren't meant to be like an Eternals type. They're just weird people who live on the moon. Um, whereas Eternals, <laughs> this was Marvel's big swing of like... We want to talk about the gods of this universe. We want to talk about the people who create the planets and stuff. And you see, I liked I liked what we were given about it though, right? Because when we talked about uh, what's his name, Arisham, and and yeah. their creation, um, or like their their not necessarily their creation, but they're taken from planet Olympia and like they they go from from planet to planet and like we already have 
just like the the inkling of knowledge of what is like a celestial is right because of guardians mm-hmm. because of peter quill and an well, ego and people built a whole a whole uh, community oh, nowhere. a world yeah, inside exactly. one of their heads and it's like that is such an interesting thought that like i love that the way that the mcu built this out of um and the thing is that I look at the series that we've received so far, you know, Loki being the best, worst being, I don't know which one's the worst, not including, um, I mean, what if to, to say worst is kind of, I, yeah, I don't loaded. say the, the, le- the least best is what is Falcon is and the winter one? soldier, Falcon and the winter soldier. Like the, there's something a little bit more intimate about those. And the fact that they only circle around, I don't know, three or four characters, Mm-hmm. Um, of like re- that re- are reoccurring at a you know or at a time if anything, mm-hmm. it's um, I feel like how many are they battling between like eight in this one, you know I feel like it was okay because do we need to know every single one of these characters? So no. so Which you're is- you're touching on something that a lot of people have criticized this film for that I agree with you that that everyone says well there's so many Eternals and none of them get really fleshed out and none of them get a lot of development but I'm like. Yeah, that's they're not supposed to. Like, yeah. it's, like a few of them die. Uh, Gilgamesh. Spoilers. We're in full spoiler talks. Gilgamesh dies. Ajax dies. And and so I'm like, yeah, we're not supposed to. Like, you know, this is. You didn't know everything about Tony Stark by the end of the first Iron Man movie, but you know you know enough about these characters. They're a team. It's it's it, it's like saying, "Well, I watched uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I didn't know every facet of Peter Quill's existence uh, by the end of that." So, yeah, and it's I, like I don't know what we did see, like the inklings of like everybody's kind of life or, or all their lives as they've adapted to modern society, and mm-hmm. just like. The new dynamic between the old dynamic that they had seven thousand years ago mm-hmm. was, um, I, I feel like, incredibly meaningful still with kind of the moments we were given, especially like reflective of of today's society too, right? Like and I loved. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, go ahead. No, it's it's just like I I was okay with the events uh, that transpired. Um, I was I was. This okay is with not important. Two... <laughs> sorry. No, I was going to say we're, um... all, we're over each other. So I think the what what I find funny is that like a lot of people said you know the performances felt a little stunted and a little like they lacked emotion in places and they they were dealing with ideas that it's just not not a very easy thing for the audience to empathize with, um, but I think it's funny that you know we're talking about characters who are not human who don't think like humans for the most part. And to say, like, well, I didn't like it because these, you know, characters, you know, they you know, they had characterizations that, that didn't seem relatable. I'm like, it's kind of dude, the, what are you, the point. I mean, at the same time, I, I call BS. I can I can go through each of these except for like maybe Icarus in a way is the maybe the outlier. But like if you look at and maybe Cersei, too, but like Kingo. I, I see the human in him, or the, the human that sure. he's become. Yeah, I'm not Sprite, saying they're Fastos, Druig. I, I I'm not saying for specifically. I'm not saying that they're devoid of humanity and and relatability. But you know, when you're dealing with characters who they talk, you know, these big ideas of of at what point do you, does a god intervene? At what point 
does a god step in and 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 change things actively yeah. rather yeah. than sitting by and letting things happen i think once you start stepping up to that level of 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 uh discourse in a movie there might be a bit of a disconnect especially from the people who just want to go to watch a superhero film uh so but for me, I, I like that stuff. You like that stuff. It's, it's I, cool. I, I found that like this film, you know, everybody kind of craps on Marvel films and superhero films in general. Um, you know, they were theme parks, as Martin Scorsese or Ridley Scott said, like just recently boring that they suck, that they're boring as. Um, and I'm just, I, what's crazy is that they they finally kind of are are breaking into real in depth territory here and. I don't know. I feel like people are missing the point. This specifically, <laughs> like, I want to talk about, like, Sprite, right? Like, thematically. Because mm-hmm. I, I find that, like, Sprite's talking about, like, you know, their desires and, and like, how they can't achieve... She can't... They can't achieve that relationship with Icarus because of, I mean, the circumstances of how she was created, right? Right. So, I mean, and... and that the, there can't be a relationship there and she has to battle with that because she won't grow old or do any of that and it's it's kind of it's I mean it's sad it's and honestly it's incredibly relatable people think you know based off of like appearances though they might be mentally however age that like they can't do certain things well um, she is a child and, so <laughs> I mean she's a child right but 7,000 years like imagine being a grown person trapped in a child's body well, yeah, I think Is that it, was the idea there, and I'm like, no, Damn. no, I, I, I agree. It, it, there's, there's some palpable it, drama there, but also the fact that regardless of her situation, Icarus just had eyes for another person. That I mean, that too, but it, I mean, I, he's an asshole. Which, also. which it, brings us, which brings us to uh, Eternals being the first movie that brought the MCU to Pound Town. <laughs> Dude, we have a soft core sex scene in this film. This is the most adult Marvel film. I today. feel like I feel like I had heard or read a, a headline that had talked about how there was going to be a very intimate scene between two characters in the movie before it came out, and that I just I forgot it and it just went to the back of my mind. And then I was watching the movie and like it happened, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, it was <laughs> in, kind of weird in, a, in my friend in my family friendly Marvel film. <laughs> <laughs> there was some article that just came across my newsfeed recently that like I don't know if it's investors or some executives are really kind of they're in a feud right now between the more I guess progressive executives um about like what the future of Disney looks like in terms of its family friendly content and what isn't right now. Mm-hmm. So this scene being included in the film um I think is just kind of a premonition for what could be the future of Disney products and films and shows coming later. You know, we, perhaps we will get more. I doubt we will get much more in terms of visualization. I'm just seeing, saying in the amount and quantity. I I don't think we're going to be getting some, uh, we'll never get the full butt. Unless we have gotten a full butt. Maybe we, we, with, we got um, America's ass. That's enough. We got America's ass. We got we got uh, Hulk's. We got Hulk's bare butt and implied penis. Oh, um, there you go. That makes sense. And um, 
I, yeah, I mean, maybe when uh, Deadpool 3 happens, you know, we'll get some raunchy stuff. Because they've already said they're keeping that R-rated, and we'll, yeah. we'll just have to... Yeah, we'll just see where all that goes. But um, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about how we have ourselves in Eternals a little bit of a, a Game of Thrones reunion here. Dude, this is such a fun little, like, you know, so, little thing. We, yeah, we got Ramin Jawadi... Uh, providing some just excellent music, just wow, wonderful Re- scoring, uh, really good. I do. I want to highlight for uh, Ramin Jawadi uh, the, and, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I feel like one of his musical pieces for this, which is, uh, I think it was the musical piece that he used to kind of, uh. For, use for um, Fina and Gilgamesh for their their bond and stuff, because uh, they have this whole thing about how he goes to her and he helps her remember, and like it, he holds up his hand and she holds it, up it her hand. It mirrors kind of the the uh, Age of Ultron kind of lullaby for. And I feel um, like Hulk he Scarlett Johansson. I feel uh, like he Black yes Widow. yeah, and yeah. he I think he took some musical ideas from the music that plays during that scene. And mm-hmm. used it here in a really interesting way where I went, oh my god, am I, that's the song from Age of Ultron. And, and suddenly I'm like, oh, that's such a cool idea. And he's that's such a great a good, callback. He's a, such a great composer that he was able to tie this very distant story in the MCU to the overall greater uh, MCU story. Um, very and, effective way too. We don't appreciate music as much as we should. I feel like as as audience members, like that. I mean, they. I as a composer, he's a filmmaker in his own right. That you know, that is is that is just the nuance that's included, right? Yeah, and, and uh, on top of that, this is uh, Ramin Jawadi's first MCU score since the original Iron Man. Oh, really? Yep. So he did. I the, didn't even know he did Iron Man the original. That's because it was mostly ACDC music. I was going to say. I, I'm trying to remember, you know, anything that wasn't like incredible rock yeah. music, classic rock. We also get uh, the uh, reunion of the Stark brothers. So Dude. Kit Harrington, Richard <laughs> Madden, back together for the first time since season one of Game of Thrones. And- and they of have, course, they have the lunches love interest of Cersei. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't know who's who they have in if what, this is what like casting person did that. Yeah, to have <laughs> the Jon Snow and Rob Stark constantly professing their love to Cersei. Oh my god, that <laughs> was just like it made me laugh every time. But yeah. like, like I said, I wasn't taken out of the film for that. I just had a really good appreciation. So like, I don't know. Uh, Great I don't moment. know if you noticed this, but when so I- Icarus comes to save uh, Cersei and Sprite from a deviant from Crow, and yeah. then after they defeat Crow, they're all standing around, and Dane Whitman um, gets to meet Icarus for the first time. So Kit Harrington walks up to Richard Madden, holds out his hand, and he's like, "Hi, I'm." And there's like a brief pause, just the the briefest pause, like 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 everyone there and in the world knows exactly what he wants to say yeah. and ev- like i had so many people in my theater just cracking up dude me too he- <laughs> it, was, it was it was so funny it was and oh man i got to say it put a smile on my face 
this movie gets extra points for for all of that. Does it get extra points though if they just went ahead and and killed Richard Madden again, and so we get less of him and just more of Kit Harrington? You know what? <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. I want to talk about where this movie got some major extra points for me. Like okay, like massive. I was like, I am in. I am down because this movie just did something that sold me right away was after our fun little prologue where we get to see them first come to earth and fight the deviants. Yes. And it fades to black. And then time by pink Floyd starts playing over, over the, were um, we just talking about that? Like the week before we saw the movie, (laughs) we we were like comparing like, like top pink Floyd albums and like, and, and hits and stuff. And I'm like, dude, I, I, you said to me, I think I don't want to call you out on this. Didn't you say the time was overrated? I like not that time. it's not deserving, but it's just uh, like no. I think I said money is overrated. Oh, money. Yeah, uh, you know what's funny? I hear money on the radio all the time. Well, um, there you go. I, I like I like everything from Dark Side of the Moon. I like everything from Pink Floyd, but I I just like time. I love time, and it was uh, uh when it played in the in the. Um, movie. And like the I credit was... over it, you know it's funny. You said, "I wonder if we're going to get the Marvel fanfare right before the film." Right. And, and <laughs> honestly, I don't know if I want it after that. No, it like, was great. It was yeah. great. Perfect. Perfect. Because uh, I love the that intro with the bells and the and the drumming is is very uh, hypnotic and and it kind of sets an ominous tone. But then when it kicks into the more rock and roll part of it. Yeah. Can I tell you what? I was like super giddy and excited in my seat. Like, and I kind of like, I maybe I had yelled out a little exclamation when I heard they were playing that, <laughs> but I feel like it went over the head of everybody else in the theater. And uh, only because of something I found out after the fact, towards mm-hmm. my, the end of my screening. Um, so remind me to, to discuss about, you know, my, the audience, my theater, when we talk, let's say, post credits. Okay. Um, if I don't already. But yeah, great. I love that too. That is probably yeah. you know that it scored. That's probably why I, I I'll give it at least a seven. It gets <laughs> one whole point because of the inclusion of time. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, uh, we could talk about uh, you know, you mentioned uh some shots and stuff uh that weren't uh maybe that maybe stood out to you. I think what stood out to me the most was the CGI. Um, in a less than ideal sense, um, because there are parts where the CGI looks great, um, and it's usually when it's far away and you don't have to really focus on it. Yeah. Um, I felt the deviants at times they just stood out because Chloe Zhao it was it was a very well it was a very well discussed topic leading up to the film that she really pushed Marvel for lots of on location shooting. She found a lot of places that had very, very striking visual appeal. Um, so, and and it looks fantastic. It is some of, this is maybe one of Marvel's prettiest films. Um, Uh, You know, I feel like some of the location, not the locations, but like some of the, I I agree with some of your criticisms about the deviants. I don't know what it is, but it's anytime they were in some place, sunny, it just looked a little weird. But like the opening shot when it's Crow in the city in London, I, mm-hmm. I feel like that that looked fine then. It was probably likely you know toward the end um, that well, Dark, it was looking a little more whack. 
for me. Darkness always helps out CGI look better, but I mean, I just felt like as a whole, the CGI... To, to Justice League, the, the Snyder Cut. Well, no. Um, but um, the uh, I just think, you know, when, when you have so much on the screen that is real and, and like, corporeal, uh, actors and and setting and props and stuff, and then you have a bunch of very slick looking CGI. It just stands out. It didn't look bad because um, the deviants did look cool, but they were just like it, it. Just it did it did seem very noticeable to me. Like I said, there are times where it looks great. I thought the stuff at the end with Tiamat coming out of the ocean looked mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, it was it was pretty cool. I do want to say though that the scripture screen uh, word of the day is corporeal. Excellent vocabulary, Zachary. Thanks. Aces. And uh, but yeah, Tiamat, uh, especially when it's like Tiamat's been killed, and um, it's just like the the skyline is now forever changed on Earth. Um, Which is so weird. To me to think about that. This is where we start getting to like the Atlantis stuff. Now I wanted the celestial stuff. I really did. Our ship, I won. I want to see the CGI all done on him. There's something about oh. the way red looks in CG that it's it like great. It, it looks great. so good. And I love the crystal statue inside their ship. What's the name of their ship? I forget. Uh but the the Dora or something. The statue of Arsham in in the ship looks so good as well as like a set piece. I wish I hope that's real. The I Domo. Hope, <laughs> the sh- I hope the that do- prop is is existing somewhere it's it's, a, it's more of like a set set their decoration piece probably um but anyways that was super cool and all the cg done for him incredible yeah i um, obsessed with it it's one of those things it's like when it's when it is a a character that is basically like you know the creator a, it it's so monumentally big that like when you're you're seeing like Ajax or Cersei talking to Irishem, and you can see like the crags in his face, just just his his exterior is like it's like you're looking at a stone wall, uh, and yeah. the detail there. It's so it's it's really great. I loved the shot at the very I'm end. So, I, I... Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now they're going to introduce. Galactus and when Fantastic Four comes in oh, as a I have celestial. a I, I have a quote for you. Hold on. Yeah, do it. Galactus, because they actually just mentioned uh, that. So, oh. th- ooh, let's see. This is. I'm finding you the exact quote because they actually they they I forget who it was. One of the writers uh, talked about him. He said, this was via, I love this article, it doesn't want to um, name the person who's speaking. So this was from Ryan and Kaz Furpo, and they they were talking about uh, Galactus, um, and they say there's definitely conversations about these post-credit sequences when referring to um, some of the stuff we saw there, about who we're introducing and when we're going, uh, where we're going, Galactus is one of those iconic figures of the Marvel Universe we're excited to see, but sometimes I think you leave yourself open, you leave the doors open, and who knows what's happening in number two. Maybe you're too busy to have a Celestial from Galact- uh, 
Maybe you're too busy saving a Celestial from Galactus that you end up incurring his wrath. Anything's possible. Dude. So, so, and, and I feel like in, uh, the final episode of, uh, what if there was a very big kind of like wink and nod towards Galactus. So, you know, I, I think honestly, and also the design kind of fits. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking when at the end of the movie, when you see Erishim just like appear in front of earth, um, And, and you get that great shot of, like, you know, from the park, and you can just see him just, like, in, you know, just in the air, eclipsing yeah. everything in the horizon. And you go, like, yeah, that's probably what it looked like if the planet eater came to Earth. Yeah, I feel like it would look... Ah, oh, dude, I can't wait. This, yeah. this, see, the thing is, like, this film opened up a lot of other doors because, interestingly enough... No mention or focus on multiverse here, you know, and I know we're getting into that with Loki and and we're getting into it with Ant-Man and and yeah, Spider-Man re- coming soon. But like, I like how this kind of took a step in a different direction. Let, I'll even say like a, a little bit of a more familiar direction that like, you know, there are much bigger things in the universe than Thanos. Yes. Um, and, you know, we need to be wary of them. And I yeah, kind of exactly. like, I kind of like that as well. Like, because we're already getting that fix from other sources. We don't need this add on to it. However, I will add that I felt like something at the end of Shang-Chi in its post credit scene was supposed to relate to this film. I mean, obviously it didn't, but yes, which is fine. The, the where they were discussing his the, the Ten Rings and exactly what they were. And yeah, and they're like, like we, they're old of their they're origin. Than, they're like a thousands of years old and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I thought that was gonna be related to this too, and it was not apparently. Unless which is they... which is fine. I I am a okay with that. But like, so you know, where Again, where's that going? I think a lot of people like to imagine that Kevin Feige in his office just has this like long um, cork board with like all the the strings you know he's tied like, to everything. He's like, Pepe Sylvia and the Ten Rings. Pepe exactly. Sylvia. <laughs> there is no Pepe Sylvia. There are no Ten Rings. Exactly. No, but I think what the trick is that they have all these dangling threads, and they just leave them there, and they say we'll tie them up. Don't don't worry, we'll we'll get to them. Um, and it creates an illusion that they had a plan the whole time. I'd actually like to see what the inside of Kevin Feige's office looks like. I bet that, it's clean. Yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to talk about something, Zach, because one of the things that I I did like about the film i feel like he was a little underutilized were the deviants crow specifically like so i liked this kind of subtle twist that we get revealed to us that the deviants were also like the the first kind of eternals right they were the first creation of our they were an attempt yeah yeah with like the same goal to like you know, keep what the dinosaurs off of Earth or something Basi- like that. Well, on any planet, yeah, just on basically cut down any predators exactly, and, and let the let the prey uh, bloom exist blossom. exactly. Yeah. Um, and that was like an interesting reveal. I wasn't expecting that, and and that made the film like a lot more interesting for me. And then seeing that this one deviant is kind of like successfully. Uh, 
beating the Eternals and like kind of gaining abilities and also like evolving as we were told that he could. And that's the difference between Deviants and the Eternals is that the Eternals are made, uh, you know, f um, finite versus the Deviants can evolve, right? They can yeah. change. And, and one of and, them, the crow, he, he kind of pulls a, a, an agent Smith from the matrix where he, he keeps kind of, uh, he gains their abilities, and then he also like kind of like his body, and he can speak later, and he just he's no longer just a beast, but he is like of consciousness. Yeah, of he conscious he's, mind. he slowly he evolves. Thinks, therefore, over he time. is exactly, and that was super interesting. Now, the thing is about about Crow that I I mean, I felt like he was kind of underutilized in a way. I, I mean, like I liked his ending and his his finale, very sad, very emotional, but. We were battling between the threat of Arsham. We're battling between Icarus uh, double crossing everybody, and, and I saw that coming. And I'm like, Icarus, he's <laughs> he's too much of a fanboy. He's this guy is like, he's he's kind of a zealot of the group. Yeah, you he's. Know? Um, you, and get, so, you get big bad guy energy from him. Exactly, and then you also have like this kind of dual personality of Thena going on, and and there's just like. I don't know. They, they were struggling to find the best version of the antagonist that they could, and they were dividing the team up in ways that I feel like that's where the film kind of it loses some of its momentum. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in a, a little bit on that, that I, it seems like at times they don't exactly know what to do with Crow. Yeah. Um, like he, I feel like that it would have been interesting to see... I mean, which is why I kind of like his ending, right? Of of like this kind of samurai like fight with him, and then like come the realization that like you know he was just, um, he he's just kind of like a dealt was dealt a really shit hand, but you know he had all he didn't have bad intentions, but his creators kind of made him that way, right? Yeah, in the sense that I, like he was he was doomed to fail because that's how that was what was going to happen. I don't know. I like that his death is tied into into his he, the his character which was derived from his kind of predatory uh parasitic uh nature. So he latches onto people and he basically absorbs their essence. And yeah. then takes on their features. He's like Cell from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. But, um, and so he absorbs Gilgamesh's personality and powers. And I'll, then I'll, I'll tell you what. There's a difference between Cell and Crow, though. Is that Crow I could sympathize with. In fact, I could even like kind of like the Thanos situation in Infinity War. It's like you know Thanos had a point. Crow also has a point. Well, eh, eh, maybe, but. I, I like that his demise is tied to the fact that he he's caught up in his affection for Thena because of the memories he's gained by draining Gilgamesh because he says they that he takes on all the memories. He remembers yeah. everything of the people he absorbs. So he you know, he as when he defeats Thena, he has got her tied up and stuff. But he's a, he's taking a minute to like stroke her face, and you can tell he cares for her because Gilgamesh cared for her. And yeah, it's that that it's just that weakness that that he gains that 
uh, Fina is able to seize on and take him down, and it's kind of tragic. Um, it is for his character, um, but, it, but in a way, it's like I I didn't I liked I liked that part a lot. I just feel the, like the the middle his middle section in the film uh, lackluster. They could have better. They could have definitely um, kind of capitalized specifically on Crow. Maybe saved if they wanted to do an Eternals two, like saved the Icarus reveal for the second movie. You yeah. Know? But let's talk about Icarus because of all the um, Eternals, I think he's the one that gets the most attention. It's funny because Cersei is really kind of like the hero of I, the we story. Didn't, we didn't talk about the fact that this is Gemma Chan's uh, second second Marvel out, outgoing. You know, and she a, was in Captain the, Marvel. The better of her two performances, I'll say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, honestly, like I really, really enjoyed her character. Um, yeah, she's, even though she's, I, I was, she's I don't really know. Good. Her her character struggle was a little weird. I feel like not underdeveloped, um, but like she was battling with uh, with some weird kind of uh, written struggles that could have been well, solved in a writer's. Yeah, room. it's it's like you know I'm the leader now and I don't know what to do kind of thing. Yeah, but, um, but I, there there should have been more to that. I feel like. But um, I, I want to talk about Icarus because it's funny. Um, Chloe Zhao has recently come out and said. Uh, her biggest inspiration for Icarus was uh, Henry Cavill's role, uh, performance of Superman in Man of Steel, and she, you know, she gives credit to Zack Snyder and to Henry Cavill because she oh, looked at that. That must make your bones ache. Well, no, I think it's actually really funny because a lot of people point to that and they're like, "Oh, this Marvel, uh, you know, Academy Award-winning director, <laughs> you know, thinks that that Man of Steel." is is good enough to inspire her characters but i'm like yeah but look at icarus in the movie and look at everything he is yeah and tell me what that says about superman <laughs> cuz I mean, icarus in the movie he's this suave handsome nearly omnipotent godly being who rejects love and rejects human connection in favor all of wiping the, I was going to yeah, say all in the for the uh for the line of duty for the line of duty and in favor of wiping out all life on the planet um because he's a actually a robot and can't uh can't go against his programming like if if people want to defend man of steel by saying well it inspired this character I'm like well this character is bad guy and unequivocally wrong throughout the movie so i don't know if that speaks very well for superman yeah um but it, i just thought it was an interesting note i liked you know as a as a villain i thought it was interesting when it got to the final battle though i found it there was a point when fastos uh brian tyree henry who he was great uh you know he 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 brought that uh that comedic charm that's really good but also he had a lot of humanity with his um his husband probably one of and, the best parts of the film to be honest and I, and yeah his whole thing with the hiroshima bomb was pretty strong but in that final battle when he started busting out the the like gadgets and stuff and tied icarus down and icarus couldn't get back up i'm like you had this the whole time <laughs> you had this the whole time and everyone's been struggling i see your point uh, I do. 
Like Listen. I'm like I'm like you could have stopped this whole thing like a week ago and you just didn't. I don't think it wasn't a problem. Remember, the film takes place over seven days. I know. I'm, I'm, know. I'm exaggerating, but the point I'm saying is like it's just funny that like he had this thing that was very effective and only broke it out when the when the plot needed it to happen. Um it's I, I don't mind that is stuff. Too too convenient for your taste? No, I mean I'm listen, there's a word I like to use in times like this. It's called verisimilitude. And uh, that's your second word of the day. Verisimilitude. Can you, it? Can you use it in a sentence, please? Uh, man, I'm sure having to use my verisimilitude to accept the fact that Brian Tyree Henry's <laughs> Fastos didn't use his Icarus defeating powers right off the bat. No, um, it's so it's the suspension of disbelief. It's it's why do the people not go for don't why don't people call the police in horror movies right away because. If they did, you wouldn't have a movie. Uh, it's it's yes, I'm willing to accept that for some reason he couldn't use that ability right off the bat. That's fine. Those those problems don't bother me. I'm not a nitpicker. I'm not an asshole. Yeah. Um, there there were things in this movie that bothered me specifically uh, because I felt like I was like, why is this happening? And I think the biggest culprit is that when it comes down to the final act of the movie, Kingo, who has been maybe my favorite character throughout the film up until that point, just says, eh, I can't do it. And he leaves. And I, the whole final battle, I'm sitting there like, and where's Kingo? Is he time for Kingo to come in and... And be like, I have to help you because that's what friends do. And he just he, he just doesn't show. He they saved the day without him. And I go, well, what was why why was he even there? Yeah, I feel like not that there's anything wrong with Kamel Nanjiani. I Kamel Nanjiani can have a role in literally anything where all he does is quip, and I will never complain. But. I I feel like, you know, like uh, that's that's where the film kind of falls apart is in its finale of of, of parts, um, which is kind of you know it's unfortunate, but at the same time, like it doesn't. I guess for some people, I could understand how a bad ending would ruin a, a perfectly good film. Like if, if if the ending isn't good, then who's gonna remember the rest? Like I get that, but I don't know. I just feel like there was still a lot of overwhelmingly good things that happened that I will give this film the benefit of the doubt and not say, I still don't think it's 40% because of all that at the end. It's, it's disjointed at parts, but I feel like it's the, the purpose of the film still stands out more to me than where we ended up, you know? Yeah. And same thing with the characters. Like, I'm glad we got rid of Icarus. I don't, we didn't need him. I'm glad we got rid of Gilgamesh didn't need him um only because like now we have an opportunity to focus on the characters that that were stand out and that were written to be like kind of more important and in a way we kind of got rid of sprite right Sprite went to school you know and <laughs> she but it's also uh, sprite's character was was super important for the film and like they they gave him they gave her the the light of day right and if she returns likely she will that would be interesting I, actually i don't know if you read this because I've read two different t- articles 
Mm-hmm. But I, I read from Salma Hayek reported that she signed a multi-movie yes, m- deal with Marvel to do several projects. So maybe we'll see a return of Ajax some way, shape, or form. And then additionally, I saw a, a separate article that says Kevin Feige is done with like multi-movie or multi-project deals and like is only going, you know, one off and and we're going to kind of see it going forward. So I, I'm i not sure what to expect kind of going forward. I have no I have no idea who will be and who won't be back for what. Yeah. And I'm okay be, with that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. But, um, um, you want to talk about um, – I feel like I want to talk about Druig for a moment. So I I'm I'm going to put love point at you because uh you stepped out of the restroom stepped out to use the restroom right around the time that they got to Druid's <sighs> compound right yeah that that's around the time like I like right before I came in as they were talking I was like fuck so I missed the <laughs> I, I I missed a funny funny moment with Harish Patel's character where they broke the camera I heard about it and I'm like it was, it was pretty good it was pretty good That's, and that um, makes me really well, sad see they, they had a joke where he kept pulling out new cameras and stuff but um it was good I saw Her- the second one you know you know um, uh, Harish uh, Patel fantastic in this film like oh my god the the standout um, but yeah hey Barry Keoghan as Druig he was cool um, he's a good actor I really enjoyed him He's a wonderful actor. Apparently, there's some whispers around the industry that uh, he could be our next Joker. Um, I mean, I don't need be, another Joker right now. Exactly. It would be I thought cool. Joaquin Phoenix was already the next Joker. You know what? I just, I, I'm tired of the Joker. <laughs> also, aren't we supposed to get a second movie with him that I guess they're making, but also they're You know not? what? It's funny because some people say yes, some people say no. Some, some people, people just want to watch the world burn. Really? Um, but I liked Druig in this movie. I liked that he was very outspoken against everyone else, especially Ajax. I um, again, I think he has some of the best exposition in the film. Like, I by love, and large, yeah, I love his his whole stance of like, I literally have the power to make people not fight, and I'm not allowed to use it. Yeah, like and then, that. Go ahead. I don't know. I just like what he does too. kind of like he kind of teeters a line at that point. And, and so that's I kind of love like this miss this kind of this misrepresentation or, or sense of responsibility. And he kind of ends up turning into like this kind of fascist of of, of well, a protector think, in a way. I, I mean, don't know like, if I, I don't know if I ever got that. <laughs> kind of vibe off of him, but. no. But like, if you think about like what he's done to these people, right? It they're they've kind of formed like a commune, right? Well, yeah, in, he in this... he had like a cult of personality going, exactly. But like, notice like the outfits that everybody's wearing, right? And notice that he still he still does control their minds when when he needs to, and it's just like so. There's the sense of like, you know, you can trust me and the things that I say and things that I do, but no one else as well. Well. Yeah, I don't. I still don't know if I in would order call for, that it's fascist. My, I mean, and you're still like under my protection. Well, you know, maybe. I think. I think. Eh, I think for for Druig's character, I I got the vibe of him being like, I don't trust you not to kill each other, so I'm going to control you so I can protect you. Um, but 
I don't know. I, I, I would refrain from referring to him as a uh, fascist because then we have to say that a fascist helped save the earth. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I think at times though you can see that there is like there's a very thin line between what you know what he wants and what he does, right, and what he says. Like because you could look, I could look at at those actions that he's taken um, through both lenses of like, he is helping people, but also is he, you know, no, like, I, and, and I, I think that it, I don't know, to me, that makes his character a lot more interesting. And I, I, I mean, you know, I will, I'd probably, if I were a betting man, and as we established, I am, I don't think that they would move forward with that type of, you know, part of his character, or at least like that, that bit of the story, he's going to move on and they're going to make him a good guy and all that fun stuff. Um, and less jaded likely. And, you know, but well, his, I just his really, whole, his whole character arc was coming to, to realize, you know, I need to work with people again. I need to. Yeah. Yeah. He, exactly. he, I, I doubt he would slip into uh villainy. I just, I just but... really liked where they put him. I thought he was just one of the like. I think he's like I the most tragic. I think he's the most tragic character out of all of them because because it's compared it's, to Crow. Well, he, yes, because I think so. It's one thing for you know Cersei and a few of the other characters where they go like, "Oh, I wanna, I would love to help. I'd love to intervene and stop the the humans from killing each other." And and I you know. We can all work together and we can all stop them. Or if you like have like Fastos where he's like, I can create machines that will advance them by centuries or millennia and they won't have to dig through the dirt and, and slowly progress through time. I can I can help them. But Druig is the one person whose powers are like, I can just make them be peaceful. I don't you know, I don't have to control their every waking moment, but I can literally stop them from murdering each other. Yeah. And and he's told he can't do it. And that is what causes a ma- such friction between him and the rest of the group is that everyone just kind of agrees to go along with it because they don't know any better. But for him, he's like, I can't just stand by and let people just kill each other knowing I have the key to stopping them. And yeah. I think that is such a interesting deep thing one of the things where i'm like could he eventually become villainous but then the movie does the legwork to say no he's 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 good yeah i i I don't know i just feel like i really enjoyed his screen time and i think one of the the best written characters yes in in the film Um, and again and i and i do want to see more of him and where they put him um and how he what what kind of banter could he get in with with uh, Bucky Barnes, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be interesting because you talk about a a guy who was, was controlled. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll, we you you tapped on something. Maybe we'll we'll see something like that in in the Avengers reassembled in twenty thirty seven. But um, um, <laughs> do you, you want to get into uh, probably some of the, the more I don't want to say divisive. These aren't divisive at all, but they were definitely like. You know where we left off at, in terms of post-credit scenes, mid-credit scenes. Let's yeah, so let's just talk about those two. I think that's really all we need to talk about left because in the thing. Because I I had here, I I just want to say like I had yes. mentioned earlier that you know I felt like a lot of people in my theater didn't understand 
how incredibly awesome it was to have the time track by Pink Floyd play at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And then I realized why. Because, I mean, our first uh, mid-credit scene, uh, we finally find that uh, Arisham has now like trapped the other uh, Eternals. And then um, we, right, the, he other, basically the said, few remaining have to band together and find them. Yeah, Arishan was like, well, you guys wanted to keep humanity around, so now we're going to see how that plays out. And then he dipped with them, with a Cersei, Kingo, and um, a Sprite. So, yeah, then we cut to Fina and um, Makari, Druig, and I think that's it, in a ship, in the uh, the Domo, and they're flying through space is fastos there no fastos is on earth i think yeah i forget but um but yeah and to uh for them to be visited by by a by a very a very cgi looking little dwarf yeah one of the probably worst pieces of cgi i mean i'm talking about like i don't know how they did that and like they do they do a service to Howard the Duck, and they do a disservice I... to the introduction of Patton Oswalt into the MCU. <laughs> the fucking Patton Oswalt. As Pip. Right. As um, Pip. I think it's because it was a vaguely humanoid character, and so we, as humans, we know all the features that humans are supposed to have. So when we're seeing some it, sort of troll or Well, you, you know what I mean. He's human-esque. So, yeah. like, when they, we see something vaguely human-looking... You know, our minds are quick to spot all the things that don't look right. Yeah. Um, but, and it could be the lighting, it could be a whole host of things. Maybe that's just how gnomes look. But, uh, yeah, he shows up and he's drunk and he has kind of like a fun personality, introduces the, the incredible and, and, Amazing Nintendo character Star Fox. Star Fox. <laughs> uh, Star Fox sixty four. No, uh, Eros, who is the brother of Thanos, oh, played I, by it's Harry Styles. It, it, Harry Mother F and Styles. It's unfortunate they didn't introduce the other brother of Thanos, Schmanos, um, <laughs> as as we know from from our scripture screen lore. Yes. Back. Um, but Harry's uh, the moment Harry Styles stepped on screen, uh, and I the theater my theater erupted with the squeals of teenaged angst, and that's when I realized, <laughs> oh, there are a lot of younger people in this theater, and I had no idea. That's funny because in my theater we just had a few people, few people go, oh. Yeah, no, I it, people were screaming, Zachary, screaming. And I'm wow. like, oh my god, I this sucks. You're like, and there's I'm, only one direction for this to go. Oh, uh, I get it. But also, when did they announce that Harry Styles was going to be in a, the MCU? Did I just miss this? No, I think they I don't think they even mentioned it. It was like it was a surprise. We we did a we did a Dunkirk on ya. Yeah. Um so there we go, and Eros is going to help find the other the, Eternals. Yeah, the other Eternals, which is 
cool, I guess, but it's just like also his costume looks whack. Hate it. Well, it's like a, it's a little very cape. it's very much inspired by the comics, I think. Um, oh, but... I'm looking at like a comics version of him now, at least from 2017. It looks like a better looking suit, but also it looks it's almost kind of gimmicky. He kind of reminds me, at least on screen, as like a um, a booster gold type from DC. Right nah. <laughs> now, you don't think nah. so? I don't know. I kind of got that vibe. Well, Booster Gold isn't he like from the future and stuff? And Bo- Booster Gold is just very like I don't know. He struggled with like his uh like his identity and like the way he like he's, like looked. He, he's like a he's a rich boy from the future. And yeah. By and... the way, DC, if you're listening, John DC, uh, Jeff Johns, or whoever's pulling the strings over there, make a Booster Gold movie. It would be so cool. Dude, they have the the project coming out with uh with what's his name Blue Beetle. They could do Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Dude, if they did Blue and uh, Blue and Gold, Golden Blue, whatever it's called, uh, yeah, I would, that would absolutely be awesome. Before it, maybe yeah, they're setting too. it up. Maybe they're finally doing things subtly, and and we'll get it. But we'll see. Yeah. Um The other, let's talk about the other, uh, the, the post credit scene. So okay, to start, Kit Harrington, great in the movie. Um, I love not a lot, that. Not a whole lot of him, but that was no. He, he yeah, yeah, he's he's not in it too much. But I love the his character. My man attended every freaking uh, <laughs> red carpet and looked awesome to be in the movie for all of like less than ten minutes. Yeah, but <laughs> good um, for that guy. But I love that his characterization was like you know because listen, coming off Game of Thrones where he was the most like stoic character ever invented. Uh, yeah. To have him here being a little sillier, a little funnier, I thought was great. Um, you know, there's that great moment when uh, uh, Cersei, like, you know, they're running down by the water in, in London, and she, like, jumps up over this bridge onto, like, the street above them, and then um, Sprite follows her, and then he tries to jump over the fence, and he's like, nope, nope, stairs. Because <laughs> he's he's very much just human. Um, yeah. I thought it was a great like. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, Kit Harrington. He's got some really funny comedy chops. Um, if you ever want to check it out, there's he did a comedy little. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. A special called uh, Seven Days in Hell with Andy Samberg. Have you watched him host SNL? Uh, I've seen skits of him in SNL. Some of them are better than others, but like you know, he he I you know he was pretty good in this. And, but yeah, and he, the thing is, like we all knew who he was cast as, Dane yes. Whitman, and we all know that who Dane Whitman is. And the Black the end, Knight. And the end of this film just confirmed that for us. So yeah, they had they had a few a few like teases throughout the film. So first was when he's with. Cersei and she like pulls out a ring and she's like I found this ring and it's like oh it's your family crest we can talk about it nope moving on and then later when I think she gets a call no uh they're in the domo and Pip uh not Pip uh Sprite's running around and she pulls out a sword and she's like oh is this the ebony blade and uh that's all that's mentioned and then after that he calls uh Cersei up and he's like, yeah, there's some stuff you need to know. I'm figuring out some stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's really all we get until the very, very end where we are back with him and he, uh, he's got a big old box and inside the box is a big old sword. That looks awesome. 
it does look really cool. And all I'm thinking is uh, we're getting another Kit Harrington sword, magic sword based hero. I'm for it. Yeah, I'm all, I, I'm cool with it. Um, and I love the effect of the ebony blade as he as he like reaches out to touch it. Like you can see, like there's some like darkness on the blade that like moves yeah, towards his finger and it looks stuff. Super nice. So but the 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 next bit is a little jarring because I've heard multiple sources. I guess we haven't confirmed now, but it, it's it's a a voice. What is it? the voice says like uh. Uh, I Are don't you think sure you're ready for that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we don't know who that is. And I remember when it was when it happened, everyone in the theater in my theater was very much like, uh, I, uh, "Please explain, dude." In my in my theater, everybody thought it was Jeffrey Wright. Somebody said like, "Oh, it's the Watcher." <laughs> he did. It, it did sound like a little you know raspy and deep. Um, but it it was later confirmed, I guess via interview with Chloe Zhao that it is neither the Watcher nor Jeffrey Wright, but it's one Mahershala Ali as Blade. As as she calls him Mr. Blade. Mr. And, Blade. <laughs> and that's pretty cool because um uh Black Knight and Blade definitely have worked together. Um I have no idea. And in the past they I forget if it had a special name, but like England has like its own like Avengers group um, with like, you know, Captain Britain and all that, which Henry yeah. Cavill has recently coming come out and said if they if if Marvel ever wanted to do Captain Britain, he would please dear defi- God. No, <laughs> you know I what? Do not want, I do not want that. Henry Cavill in some roles is actually really good. Um, like when he, you know, Geralt uh, in The Witcher or in um Mission Impossible Fallout. He was really good. Uh, if if done right, I think he could he could do a pretty good Captain Britain. Um, but have just it's cool if that actually was Mahershala Ali. What, what if they hired Hugh Jackman to play Captain Canada? <laughs> Oi, uh, Wolverine's Captain Canada. Oh right, I was thinking Australia. Fuck. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I got my, all over the place, my giant continents mixed up. Um, I, so, so here's where this left me. Cause I had no idea that, that Dane Whitman or, or black Knight and blade had this relationship and like this, this kind of, um, uh, they're comrades in a way. Right. Right. And so that'll be interesting. But also I'm super happy that we're getting more of, of Kit Harrington. I've missed him since game yeah. of Thrones, and it's, you, we don't get him very often. So I, I want to keep him around. And honestly, like I'm glad where this movie left off and I'm, I'm looking forward to where it goes in the future with all these characters in the MCU. Uh, but I feel like from this specific storyline of like the celestial type stuff, we're probably going to have to wait till like, I don't know. I don't imagine they're doing multiverse stuff in Spider-Man. They're doing multiverse stuff for like the yeah. next year. I Doctor feel like Strange and Doctor and, Strange. Yeah. Like, when are we gonna get the next kind of um, uh, cosmic story in in I uh, Secret Invasion? Thor, uh, Love and Thunder. Thor, Love and Thunder. That it would be an interesting thought. That it's I, funny. I would actually like that. 
I think it's one of those things where as we move forward, like right now we are we are still very much, you know, in the early days of phase four, even though we already had more projects released than all of phase one of Marvel. Um, we're still in the early days of phase four and uh, right now we can't really see where it's going, but give it a year or two and we're going to start really being able to connect those dots of being like, okay, so Black Knight's about to meet Moon Knight and they're going to yeah. go and meet with Blade and we're going to get some badass like... I have dark- a crazy thought for you. What if they introduced Cosmic Ghost Rider who's actually Frank Castle as Ghost Rider? Mm, Wouldn't that be interesting? I don't know about that one, Chief. He could be a Herald of Galactus. He's a member Only, of Guardians of the Galaxy. So here's the thing. All... What what I want with with <laughs> I'm going Frank off the Cass- rails, Zach. I want Frank Castle. I want John Bernthal back. I want I want if there's going to be a Herald of Colossus, uh, Galactus, Colossus doesn't need a Herald. He's an X Men. But if um <laughs> if if Galactus is going to have a Herald, it's got to be Silver Surfer. I, you know, I, I I want this done right. I don't want. Yeah. Oh, and we actually got confirmation of um, who Adam Warlock is. Yes, uh, I, I um, I, eyebrows and kid. They, and they just started shooting Guardians of the Galaxy three, Volume three. Um, like I don't know, in the last week or two, there was a James Gunn posted the photo of like day one. That's right. So, that's right. Super exciting to see finally, like after uh, Will Poulter. I don't know. It's been so long. Yes, Will Poulter is our Adam Warlock. So that's Dude, exciting. I don't know where I read somewhere that it was either him or Zac Efron. So I'm oh. glad that you know Zac Efron. It would have been interesting as Zac Efron, honestly. He could he could play like not a good, high like... school musical. Zac Efron is is not bad, honestly. Like he's he's one yeah. good looking guy, and he could play a perfect uh, Adam Warlock. And two, he uh, not a bad actor necessarily. I don't no, no, so. I think I think I mean Neighbors. He was funny. So there you go. Um, but I think you know as far as Eternals uh, and. For the MCU for today, I think that just about covers it. I mean, you know, we could stand here talking for for a very long time about all the different things, but but Zach, you and I have a Spider-Man trailer to watch. I know, uh, and and ticket release date also announced, as oh, I, I see here on my phone. It's coming so out the day before my birthday. Bingo! A lot of things are coming out the week of your birthday. Guys. I know, um, well, but I I feel as if. This was, uh, you know, an interesting moment in the MCU's line. It was a fun experiment. It was. Uh, so let's get back to the theses of the universe. Thank you, everybody, for coming to another edition of Scripture Screen and listening. We have been your hosts. I am Chris Kitchen. That is Zach Strackman. If you want to find more episodes of Scripture Screen, go to our website www.scripturescreen.com or anchor.fm forward slash scripture screen or on our social media pages at scripture screen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. There you can find all of our past, present, and future content. Leave us a message, share us with your friends. Let us want to know, let us know what you want to hear next. Zach, any last words? Um, uh, e, uh, mm, uh, ooh. uh, watch the Spider Man trailer <laughs> and comment what you think of of Spider-Man in the MCU. Honestly, have you ever committed a cinema sin, audience? Have you ever left the theater 
go to the bathroom and felt terrible, have you? Let me know. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful day. Bye.